Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. Today's scripture reading will be Philippians 1, 19 through 26, and you can find that on page 980 in the Pew Bible in front of you. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Hey, good morning. As Wes said, my name is Craig Fortunato. I'm one of the pastors here. And I wanted to look into uh, the word here this morning, Philippians, and thank you for reading it for us, Russ. And thank you for those of you who went through the DTM and contributed toward this, uh, what I like to call the handy-dandy. It's, it's a wonderful study guide to prepare us for the, each message that is being preached. The ushers pass these out as you walk in. So if you have not received one, we do have out in the foyer. Make sure you get one on the way home. But we're looking at ch- uh, question three has really informed our study this morning. Question three has, so take a look at that. You know, we're gonna be looking at uh, a a few things here in regards to this text, and to get us started, I want you to think about what is it that that you live for? Or maybe as you're, maybe an older person in the room, you can look back and say, what did I live for? What, What were my goals? in life. My goal, maybe my ultimate, what I'm going to be looking at here is an ultimate goal. Maybe you even you had a life mission statement, okay? I remember in uh, one of the men's life groups I led a few years back, we talked about creating a life mission statement. So you can live on mission and not just have life happen at you, but that you are engaging life with a mission that you thought about. I did some uh, research online and, uh, and I was seeing that there's some interesting, familiar thoughts out there when it comes to people being asked what their goal is in life. And one of those was a uh, video edited by Glamour Consider the host there, glamour. So this is just what the world is thinking when they're asked the question, you know, what is your goal? What is your goal in life? And they interviewed 70 different people starting from the age of five to 75. And they just went through one after the other and they just allowed them in a brief little edit, you know, of what their goal in life was. Listen to this and see if some of these sound familiar to you, okay? What is your goal in life? Be very famous and very rich. That was a seven-year-old. They started off at five years old. The little five-year-old girl, when they asked, what is your goal in life? She was like, uh, wait, what? 
So this is like a seven-year-old, and, it, and it's gonna progress to, I didn't write all 70 of them down, but it, it progresses. Be very famous and very rich. Be happy. See if you guys can uh, pick up a theme here. Make a difference. To raise a family. Wake up every day and love what I do. It's a goal in life. I have a career I'm passionate about. To be financially independent. To travel when I want to travel. Get paid for being myself. To be happy and be successful. To be a good person. To live life to the fullest and never take life for granted. To create and continue my art business. Make sure my children are independent. Be a real good mother to my children and to be a role model for them. To live a very long time to be healthy. To be content. To be happy and to make others happy. What do you learn from that? Was there a, a common theme that you heard repeated? Happiness is interesting. Happiness tends to be of interest to a lot of these people. These are all Americans, young to old, all different ethnicities. But this is what has their interest, is they have these, these ideas in mind and and it makes me think about our passage here because I see that with someone else's work here alongside me is that Paul, he has an idea for himself as well. So what do you think was Paul's goal in life? Let's look at the text here together. I wanna remind us that Paul is in jail when he's writing this letter. He is in jail. He's in prison and he's fearful for his life. He, well, he's, He's not necessarily fearful for his life, but he is aware that his life might be threatened. He may be executed. And in this passage, we get to read, I'm gonna start in verse uh, 18 because there's a key word that he starts off with there in verse 18 that was from Wes's text last week. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. He's rejoicing that Christ is being preached regardless of who the person is preaching. Moving on, he says, yes, and I will rejoice as he continues into this thought. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I'm going to stop there because I want to take a look at a couple words here. Verse 20, it uses the word honored. And this word honored is megalino. Say that with me, megalino, megalino. So this word is, can be translated in different versions. We see that it is exalted. We see magnified, honored, glorified. The King James Version uses the word magnified. I really like this word magnify. Uh, John Piper, who is a retired pastor and 
theologian. He has this take on the word magnify. He spent a lot of his life work uh, in this section of Scripture, and he's come away with this word magnify. He's helped people like me to understand it a little bit better that we have microscopes and we have telescopes, microscopes and telescopes, and both provide magnification. And, and Piper says for Christians, God calls us to be telescopes. Because a microscope, you'll take something very, very small and you'll put it under magnification and it will become larger. But you can't do that with God. When you put the magnification on God who is very, very, very large, very large, it makes something, a magnification like a telescope makes a big thing begin to look as big as it really is. It begins that process. And so Paul here is seeing that Christ will be magnified, will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've put on the screen here for you to see in red that there's some identifications here of life, what it means to live life. He's repeating this term of life. In my body, which is life, whether it be by life, or live is Christ, this is a focus that he is giving us. There's gonna be two aims here, there's gonna be two sides. The first one here is life. The second one we're gonna see is by death. And he says, or I'm gonna live, my honor, Christ is gonna be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Those two are connected there, so there's two Two sides of this coin that Paul is living here that Christ is going to be honored. Christ is going to be magnified. Whether it's I live or whether I die, Christ is going to be magnified. And look at this, this passage here, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We talked in our preaching team this week. It would be good for us to just spend the next hour just gazing at that statement. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. This is something to take with you in your journal and to just journal about and ask God to speak to you about. What is this, what is Paul saying here? How does that impact me? For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What a great statement. What a great saying that communicates so very much. So it gets me to the question is, how is Christ most magnified in Paul? How are we going to see Paul play this out? How is Christ most magnified in Paul? And as I mentioned earlier, there's two ways. First one, in life. In life, which we can all identify with because we are all here living. We're all alive, and so we can take interest and say, well, this is what Paul is sharing with his beloved church in Philippi, which is probably a very, very, very long ways away, separated by a sea and a big landmass of Macedonia. I mean, it is a journey to get this letter to this church. It's not like we look at, at email today where it's this whoosh, and it's there like that. He is sitting in this dank prison thinking that his days may literally be numbered, and he's taking pen to paper, he's asking someone to write this for him, because his eyesight was so bad. He's writing out his heart to this church that he loves so much. 
And he is wanting every word to count. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. In life, Paul sees this as a great way. He's going to underscore it with what he's going to identify here, a fruitful life. And when he lives a life, it is going to be a fruitful life. Let's look in verse 22. It says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. That means fruitful labor for me. So he is going to be fruitful. He's not going to waste time working and not being fruitful. He is on point. He is living with each breath matters. It matters that the gospel gets out. It has to get out. Fruitful labor for him. Makes me think of an orange tree when I was visiting with some friends in California. Rhonda and our girls were staying with some friends and they, uh, they had this orange tree in their backyard. And this orange tree was just littered with oranges. It was the, it was the best tree, but they were able to bring fruit off that tree and make, make fresh orange juice just squeezed right off of the, right off of the tree. And that tastes different. There's, there's a noticeable difference in orange juice when it comes straight from the tree. But imagine a tree that has no fruit. What purpose is for that tree? It's, it's, it's disappointing. It's useless. Paul is saying, not for me. It's going to be fruitful labor for me. If I'm to live, I'm going to live in Christ. And fruitful labor will follow me. It would be useful. Secondly, how is Christ most magnified in Paul in this life? Is it going to be joy? I read for you earlier in verse 18. It was his joy, Paul's joy. He's rejoicing. He repeated it. Yes, and I will rejoice, he says. This was his joy. But then in verse 25, it talks about that it's also going to be for the Philippians' joy. that he, If he's to live in Christ, he is going to do it for their joy. Convinced of this, verse 25, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. That word progress is the same word used last week in verse 12 when it talks about advance the gospel. Progress and advance, it's the same word. That's what he's hoping for this, this Philippian church, that they're going to advance. They're not just going to sit around and enjoy each other and hope nothing bad happens. They are advancing the gospel and their joy. Joy is so important that the joy of faith is so important for Paul. And throughout this whole letter, it's a joyful letter. We're going to see it repeated throughout the summer. I want to take a moment and look at our, our mission statement here because uh, verses like these have impacted our thinking about how we are going to live on mission as a church. And you're going to see a word in there that matters to us. Our church's mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people with the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. I was thinking back, I actually remember taking a, an assessment in junior high school about what do you want to grow, you know, you, you answer all these answers and it talks about what you can be someday. How you answer this assessment, you might want to look at these professions that you want to be doing, okay? You know what the least likely profession for me to consider? 
priest. They used the word priest. They didn't have pastor, but they used the word priest. And I quickly agreed with that, man. This assessment is pretty accurate. But I was going to make money. I was going to be all this, all this sort of thing. But looking at this passage and looking at how God has made a change in my life, I never would have thought having religion or faith in Jesus would ever bring me joy. But in doing so, our mission has proven true. Back when I was 18 years old, I realized this unexpected joy by coming to saving faith in Christ. It changed my life. A miracle happened inside of me where I was stunned with this wonderful grace by this almighty God who's forgiven me. This joy, this joy just is pervasive and it continues and it builds and it grows and has more and more influence. And Paul writes about it here and throughout the rest of the letter. This, this, this mission is very exciting to us as a leadership because this is the direction we're going. This is what informs our decisions. This is what informs our strategies. Are we living on mission? Are we engaging our friends? Are we engaging people with the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus? How joyful it is to find great dependence upon our Savior. And this is where we're going. Lastly, I want to say in life, Paul identifies that when he is going to be, Christ is going to be most magnified in Paul and his life is through their boasting. When they find out, verse 26, let's read it together. Verse 26, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. I'm coming to you again. And what does Paul say? And it'll be so good for us to see each other and for you to celebrate me coming out of prison and greeting you again. He didn't say that at all. He says with my coming, it will give you ample cause to take glory in Christ. Paul gets it. He's living on mission. It's about Christ. Everything good is about Christ. Everything about advancing the gospel is about Christ. They're boasting, which is another word for glory. Their boasting in Christ will be evident. I got to feel something like this this past week as a former student of ours uh, from this youth ministry and has now been pursuing pastoral ministry. And he, he calls me about once a year and uh, always at least once a year to, to thank me and the, and, the, and the church for their influence in his life. Um, it means a lot to him. And this past week he's asking me about my, my, my counsel on, on, on an opportunity for him before him and his wife. And, and got to he got to celebrate about what God is doing in his life and, and, the, and the good news that is coming forth from him that he gives praise to God. This is an example of, of how the church will give glory to Jesus as we interact with one another. Does that make sense? As we interact, as we look back to engage with one another, the glory goes to Jesus. Paul is stating this. So not only is it just how Christ is magnified in Paul in life, but it's also, he's identified this, there's death. There's death as well. And so that's something that we all have in common with Paul as well. All of us are experiencing life and all of us will experience death. How is Christ most magnified in Paul in death? First, we see Paul gains, he's, he, he has a gain in this. Paul writes that, he, that, that I, in death there will be gain 
For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So what is the gain that he gains? He gets to be with Jesus. He gets to be with Jesus. So read in verse 23. I am hard pressed between the two to live or to die. I am hard pressed. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. Paul doesn't say at his probably 60 or 70 years of age at this point in a prison, in a dank cell, fading eyesight. He's not saying that his desire is to depart away from these aches and pains and this tribulation and this jail and, and this hostility against the way that is so true. No, he is saying my desire is to be with Christ. It's him. It's him who I'm looking forward to. It's him. Christ is my aim. I love him. He's totally, radically changed my life. He wants to be with Jesus. He wants so much to be with Jesus. That is far better, he says. Far better than you, the, 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 the Philippians church that I'm writing to that I love so much. But as he continues on, he, he realizes that he's convinced. He says in verse 24, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress or advance and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. A second reference to John Piper this morning is, comes from this passage, a, a life axiom that he has written, that he is known for. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And I want you to think about that for a moment, of your satisfaction level in Jesus. Where is that at? Because God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Have you had that moment? Are you in that moment? I've had those moments where there's nothing that can touch me. It just, I'm just greatly satisfied in Jesus. But it's not a forever moment. But I remember them. I treasure them. And I look forward to them. I do look forward to them. As I look at Paul's goal in this life, as he's writing in this passage, is I think we're gonna come, I, I think it's safe to say that we can identify his goal as strictly verse 20. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. This is what informs his journeys. This is what informs his sermons. This is what informs his relationships. This is what informs how he walks into a brand new town to learn other ways and customs so that he can advance the gospel. All of it is based off of this goal in his life, his mission statement in life. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And he can say this. You can't fake magnification. You can't fake that. When you, 
When I had heard of people who had swam in the ocean with sea turtles and schools of fish, I could only imagine what that was like until I dove into that salty sea and was able to see for myself the glory of God's creation. I can speak about it differently because I've experienced it. And that's the way Paul is, is with this, how he is to magnify Christ is because it is very, very, very real to him. I want us to turn, turn with me just the page to, to Philippians chapter three in your Bibles. Philippians chapter three, and I'm gonna remind us who Paul used to be, a name called Saul. Chapter three, verse four, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, he is, he is polishing his brass on his chest right now. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them all rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And listen to this, verse nine. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, Paul, before he was converted to Christ and had this massive experience with Jesus, a miracle, he was standing over Christians who had been executed, stoned to death, and giving approval of this death. This is the wickedness that we're all capable of, our sinful nature that is capable of, that we can, we can shudder and just wince at the things that are happening in our world today. We can, the horrors that people do to one another. Saul was doing that. And God saw in Saul a man that he was gonna convert into Paul that is gonna change history by his obedience. But Paul didn't go forward just in obedience. He went forward in love. He was obeying because he loved much. He obeyed much because he loved much. And he gave his life for this gospel so that you and I would have this opportunity to live this life emulating him. Follow me as I follow Christ, Paul says. This is amazing. Paul has figured this out. In life or death, God is gonna be glorified. He's gonna be made much of. He's gonna be magnified. Christ is gonna be magnified in my life, whether it be life or death. And our youth pastor said it, said it best. He said it best. Paul has the world in checkmate. whether by life or by death, Christ is gonna be magnified. 
So I have a question for you. What is your life mission statement? It's not too late. It's not too early. But what is your life mission statement? How do you live on mission? I examined this question a long time ago and I've led my life very imperfectly carrying it out, but something that I wanted to do as a young father and a young husband is I wanted to inspire my girls, all of them, they're all girls, to have a heart after God. And the best way I could do that was by modeling that. Um, I'm still modeling that and seeing great hope in that. What is your life mission statement? You can use Paul's. That's okay. You can just reference it. It's a great one. It's an ambitious one. It's one that impacts your whole life, your finances to your sex life to your relationships to your work, how you treat the gas station attendant. It affects it all but the idea is that it's all for his glory that he's made much of. He's made much of. Let us learn from this letter in Paul, from Paul to the Philippian church about how we can live on mission. Some of it may start with a, with a hearty bit of confession and repentance, but in the end, it's great gain. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this time to come together as your people. And I pray that by the precious Holy Spirit that you will have powerful work in the lives of people that they can realize that through the life of Saul to Paul that no one is too far gone. No one is too far outside of your reach, of your tremendous grace and love to people. Thank you so much that you demonstrated this great love in Jesus and that while we were still sinners, Christ died, changed it all, changed my life, changed Paul's life, Saul to Paul, changed the world. So Lord, may we take a closer look and engagement with you as we engage with you to know you're good, you're holy, and we can only be found made righteous faith in Christ. Only through faith in Christ. So Father, we look to you. We look to you during this time and we ask that God you be glorified and made, made much of as we magnify uh, your great love for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.